0: Time
1: to drive the Lexus of your dreams. I'm Chris Pinelli of Lex of London, and your beautiful new Lexus is patiently waiting at Lexus of London today.
0: Good afternoon. It is one o'clock. I'm Jacqueline Labelle in downtown London. Mostly cloudy and two degrees. London's Star Studded Night is in the books. The 2019 Juno Awards went off without a hitch at Budweiser Gardens, welcoming Canadian music celebrities of all kinds to the Forest City. Arcells, originally out of Hamilton, gave a shout-out to London's own Stobie's Pizza during the live broadcast. They picked up Group of the Year Sunday night before hitting the stage to sing their track Hand Me Downs. Guitarist Mike DeAngelo says they picked the song partly because it had a really good confetti moment.
1: And I think, you know, the message of the song that, you know, everybody has these parts of their life that have been handed down to them or come into the, their lives without their control, but... You know, it, it's sort of about working with that and, and not uh, not trying to uh, block it out, just accepting it and as a way to move forward.
0: Uh, there was also a big moment for one young London woman, Muriel Reed, who participated in London's Girls Rock Camp, joined the stage with Sarah McLaughlin to talk about Music Counts donation to the music program. Junos were handed out to a number of artists during the show, including Shawn Mendes for Album of the Year and to Jesse Reyes for R&B Soul Recording of the Year. U.S. President Donald Trump says he's being unfairly blamed for the New Zealand mosque massacre.
1: The president says the media is working overtime to blame him for the attack, tweeting they will have to work very hard to prove that one. The mosque gunman left behind a document calling himself a white nationalist and referred to the president as a symbol of renewed white identity. Data suggests white nationalism is on the rise across the world, but when asked last week if he thinks it's a growing threat.
2: I don't really. I think it's a uh, small group of people that have very,
3: very serious problems.
1: The president's been criticized in the past for saying both sides were to blame for violence at a deadly white supremacist demonstration in Charlottesville. Sagar Magani, Washington.
0: Londoners will come together to mourn the lives lost from Friday's terrorist attacks in New Zealand and to show support for the local Muslim community. A gunman fatally shot 50 people at two mosques in Christchurch. Dozens more were wounded. Tonight's vigil will start at six o'clock in Victoria Park. Police in the Dutch city of Utrecht say, uh, still say a shooting on a tram killed three people, but they've posted a tweet saying five others, not nine, as originally stated, were wounded. Heavily armed police are searching for a suspect. Prime Minister Mark Rutte says if it turns out to be a terror attack, then there is only one answer, saying, quote, democracy must be stronger than fanaticism and violence. French investigators say the black box data shows clear similarities between the Ethiopian Airlines crash and last October's Lion Air plane crash off Indonesia. Both crashes involved Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft. The French Civil Aviation Investigation Bureau says it will use the data for further study. The crash near Addis Ababa eight days ago killed all 157 people aboard, including 18 Canadians. Amanda Samard is criticizing former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney for referring to her as a little girl. The independent MPP left the Progressive Conservative Caucus last year over cuts to francophone services. Mulroney made the comment last night on Radio Canada's Tout le monde en parle when he defended his daughter Caroline Mulroney, who's the province's attorney general and a francophone affairs minister. He said his daughter's the best voice that Ontario francophones could ever have. And without naming Samard said, quote, the little girl who resigned, she's left. Samarand says on Twitter that Brian Mulroney has done great things for Canada, but his comments, quote, belong to another era and have no place in a respectful and egalitarian society. You're listening to 980 CFPL. Oh, happy,
1: happy Monday. Wow. Welcome to the corner of Wellington and King. You can also look at us at Wellington and Dundas. We have all kinds of things to do on the show today. How about the Junos? How much fun was that? Talk to somebody who took part in just watching the arrivals on the red carpet or who was lucky enough to be inside. Wow. London puts on a show. Now, it helps when, you know, it's like any party. If you have a party and you invite a lot of people who come over and they sit on their hands and they mumble quietly, uh, you know, it's not very good, yeah, I was hoping that something else would happen. then, you know, you could have a good time, but typically it's a quiet night and you might look back and say, eh, that, was, that was all right, very nice people, very nice people we had over that night, but if you go and you bring people who know how to bring it, then... All of a sudden, you're in a whole new stratosphere. Arkell's Corey Hart, Loud Luxury, Western's Marching Band, and westerns cheer team we're actually going to hear from the cheer team i don't know if you saw them performing with loud luxury but they did and we'll go back over how that happened arkels they do a call out to stobie's pizza john stobie's going to join us on the show to tell us where he was when he heard that and we've got to thank arkels because they sent some stobie's pizza over for lunch it was as always delicious so there is a lot to do right off the start of the show but hey There's really one place to begin when we recap what the Junos was all about. And that is a guy who was instrumental in bringing the Junos in 2019 to London, Ontario, and showing Canadian artists coast to coast just what we have to offer in this city. And that is the chair of the Juno committee, Chris Campbell. Chris, congratulations doesn't (laughs) seem a strong enough word. Wow.
4: Congratulations is... yeah. It, it just it's such an incredible moment for our city um i have so many people mike that i need to thank that were so integral to this entire thing departments in the city um the pol- everyone the police the park from parking to police to everybody came together and rose to the occasion and made uh, the event just incredible so
1: When we We look back at at any event that comes here and the Junos joins this list, everything seems to run like clockwork. It's just like everybody knows exactly where to be at the right time. Everybody's doing their job. I don't know what it is about the air in this city, but it happens.
4: They appreciate the significance of the event and the opportunity. And and to have uh, the, the largest cultural event in Canada take a chance, and that's what they did, you know from to London, Ontario, it's never been in the region before, let alone the city, um, they took a big chance on us and we were and we came together and uh, people understand the gravity of that and um it people were extending out how can I help all along through the process, you know, for the last year. So many people have uh, have, have have from the convention center it was the best gala I've ever been at. I've been at the last four Juno uh, Awards gala. This was the best, and the food, to the service, at the hotels. And I mean, this goes a long way uh, with delegates and, and with guests that we bring to the city. And um, I, I can't be more proud of of, of every little piece. It was just perfect.
1: Chris Campbell with us, chair of the Juno Committee, as we look back at what was a phenomenal, not just night, not just day, but absolute week that involves so many different activities and events. Chris, let's take some time and and put some perspective on this, because in the London and surrounding area, we can get ourselves to about 450,000 people. That population does not reach what Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, other cities in this country can provide. Our venue is beautiful. Budweiser Gardens is phenomenal. It is award-winning every single year, but it holds 9,000 people, and that is a small venue when compared to other places. Can you kind of put some real perspective on the chance that the Junos did take in coming here?
4: Yeah, well, there's a financial business case, which is, uh, I mean, the cost of producing what you saw last night, which was just incredible. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, they they took a huge chance. It's not only that. There's about 67 events. And so, you know, your largest revenue stream um, is the awards show. And to consider that we have a, less of a capacity, we can't charge... You know, five hundred dollars a ticket. Um, uh, we had to put together a very compelling business case, and we did. And um, and I can't get into the nuts and bolts of you know what's in the secret sauce there, but uh, we, we delivered, and and we delivered on everything we said we were going to do, and um, and, um, and 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 really provided uh, a, a great event for the nation to enjoy, which was just you know awesome.
1: Chris, moments from last night. I mean, Corey Hart brought down the house at the Mm -hmm. end, but just anything that springs to your mind right now, when you think back to the show itself last night, what's in your mind right now?
4: I think it has to be the introduction the start. We have the show open with the marching band, the cheerleaders, and uh, the Juno award-winning now, uh, Loud Luxury opening that show. You, yeah, you need to understand that they never that you'll never see that again ever with uh, you know a marching band and uh, that's that's a one shot thing. And London got that moment um, to have nominated and award-winning artists in their hometown open up the show with a local marching band and cheer, and it was choreographed brilliantly. I mean, it looked like uh, better than a, a Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, really, seriously, it was just incredible. Um, i can 't wait to see it on t v but to see it in the venue was just something else, and um, that moment will that moment uh, uh, will stay with us forever i've had you know emails from people that never send congratulatory emails on how incredible the city and how proud they are of london and and that really means something
1: well that that sums it up right there because you have created some things over this past week that people have never seen before, may never seen before may never see mm-hmm. again and and you know what that 's not easy to do because there 's a lot of things that have been seen in our world up to this mm-hmm. point, so job well done anyone else we can give you the platform to thank off uh, off the the top of your head before we let you go
4: you know it 's really this it's really the volunteers the co- the host committee I had an incredible um host committee of dedicated volunteers You need to understand that no no one's getting paid here mike like the the volunteers are are, you know in the committee we're not i'm not paid my 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 vice chair is not paid. these are full-time jobs i have have people that have jobs and they're they took on another job to do this for their community um so their their contributions that have made this event uh... um, possible are you know I'm very grateful for all the service, and there's so many people um, that went way beyond what you would think their job is, uh, you know, from in the city. Uh, We had the support of the city, uh, literally every department that's touched every department you can think of, you know, uh, from transportation, safety, security. The London police um, did an incredible job of keeping everything safe. It's yeah. There's so many different departments and organizations and sponsors, you know, from media that told the stories to the to the to the sponsors that gave us the money that helped us put on this uh event. Uh, you know, there's so many people
5: involved in it.
1: So. Well Again, congratulations to everybody who made this happen because London was already on the map. We just keep taking a bigger part of that map. And uh, it can't happen without the casts of hundreds and thousands that do jump to the opportunity when it comes up in this city. Chris, I don't know if you've been to bed yet. You probably haven't. Uh, That's probably right, and that's the way it should be. But here's hoping you get uh, at least eight hours of continuous restful sleep for the first time in about 365 days. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Take care. that's chris campbell great work thank you to tourism london again thank you to london police services who on st patrick's day again everything ran so smoothly and that doesn't always happen and you know what it didn't run smoothly i'm sure in some spots but we've got those people who can keep that from becoming a thing you wouldn't even know wow this didn't work out the way yeah didn't even see it didn't even notice this was flawless Congratulations. We did hear Chris talk about Western's marching band and the Western cheer team. Alex Marchand is going to join us in a moment, head of the Western cheer team. If you didn't see it, that's the way the show started. And we're going to take you behind the scenes as to how that all got together. Plus, we're going to talk with John Stoby from Stoby's Pizza. And we are going to discuss what our Kells did last night in recognizing Stoby's Pizza as they were being recognized by the Junos. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Wow. Exhaling on a Monday. It's always good to do. It means you've done the weekend right, doesn't it? <sighs> It should never be, uh, it's Monday. Try not to have that feeling get to you. Try and find something that makes you say, ah, it's Monday. Let's see what this week brings. This week is going to bring a big meeting to talk about BRT at some point. We'll get to that. Maybe not even today. But we'll be talking about it. And there's a lot to look at. You've got politicians that... See things one way, others that see things a completely different way, and then the rest of us who, unless we're pushed to do something, typically we don't do it. I'm not buying a bus pass and driving a vehicle. Not happening. Sorry. We'll get into that as the week rolls along. Right now, want to continue to look back. Last night, the Junos opened, as no other Junos have, when you can have a university marching band and a university cheer team from one of the most recognizable universities anywhere, Western University, and you can have them performing as loud luxury with a graduate of Western University, sit and and do their thing... Mind blowing. Let's talk about how this came together because that's exactly how the Junos began last night. Alex Marchand is the head of the Western Mustang cheer team and has been nice enough to join us now. Alex, how are you? Very good, Mike. Thank you. Did you get enough sleep last night?
6: <laughs> uh, no, I still got the Juno fever, man. It was a crazy <laughs> night. I feel like uh, I'm still there. You know, Corey Hart brought the house down. It, it was it was an amazing night.
1: Well, you got to kick this off, and this was something that kind of came together not over the course of exactly a day or two, because it took a lot to choreograph what you were up to, but this started with Loud Luxury, we'll opened the show. When did you find out that they wanted you guys to be a part of their performance?
6: I'm telling you, about three weeks ago. <laughs> Not long. If you told me a month ago Loud Luxury wanted us in the June, I would have been like, there's no way. So uh, our coach informed us. It was just kind of a, a rumor at first. None of us knew. And then uh, we got an email from uh, Christine Stapleton, the uh, the director of athletics, and we were we were falling over ourselves. We couldn't believe it. We were so excited.
1: Now, it's one thing to have Loud Luxury say, hey, we want to have the Western Marching Band, the Western Cheer Team, as part of our performance. And that's, that's really exciting. And then when do you kind of turn the page in your head and say... <laughs> yeah that that means we we've got to do this
6: <laughs> almost immediately because we uh well trace our coach. He announced it while we were at the gym, and we're always practicing at the gym, so he announced it, and uh, you know it hadn't been a few seconds until we started throwing ideas out. We started working on it immediately.
1: And how many hours do you think you had to put in over three weeks? And let's remember, anyone looking at a university calendar right now can see that (laughs) midterms just kind of are, are wrapping up. There have been big assignments, big tests. So how much did you have to put in in order to get this done?
6: Well, the day of, so yesterday we were there for about 12 hours. It was a very long day. On Friday we were there for... Ooh, about five or six hours. And then over the three weeks, we had a couple practices uh, at Alumni Hall and even at our own gym. I'd say, together, those were about 10 hours. So, all together, uh, probably well over 24 hours of work in, uh, in a couple weeks to put this together.
1: Alex Marchand with us on London Live, <laughs> the head of Western's cheer team. And with a name like that, you have any relation to Brad Marchand, the hockey player?
6: Uh, you know, I'm almost ashamed to say it. He's my third cousin. I, I don't, I don't like the Bruins, if anyone's wondering. But uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. I guess I'm the uh, the second biggest athlete in my team now. <laughs> Amazing.
1: So you guys are actually third cousins.
6: Yes, he's from uh, Halifax. My father's from um, Cape Breton, so uh, every one of on my father's side, they're all from uh, Nova Scotia.
1: Are any of them Bruins fans, or
6: my uncle? huge Bruins fan since uh, <laughs> since he was a kid. Well, so every, he, that's it.
1: Everybody who plays with Brad Marchand absolutely loves him. You play against him and it's a whole different story.
6: He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch, man. I'll I'll give him that.
1: (laughs) Definitely is. Well, you were fun to watch last night. Let's talk about, first of all, you mentioned practicing at Alumni Hall. We've all got to realize you've got to put something together, but for most of that time, most of those three weeks, Budweiser Gardens was a hockey rink and it was a basketball court, and it definitely wasn't the stage that you were going to be performing on. So (laughs) how did you kind of work that out? Very funny.
6: So, on the basketball court, uh, Dave Campbell, he was the uh, choreographer for this great guy, very professional. He and some of the production people put it with a green sort of painter's tape. They put a uh, kind of a layout of the entire stage. And it's not a normal-shaped stage if you watch it. There are portions. and the... So we had to look uh, on the basketball court and kind of map out within the confines of this green painter's tape exactly where we go. And it was difficult at first because they're all kind of like these pits where people were, so we had to make sure that we weren't walking over, you know, those areas when we were transitioning to different skills, and we also had to make sure that we weren't, you know, accidentally throwing the girls off the stage uh, when we were uh, rehearsing. So it took a little while to get accustomed to that, but uh, even though, we, you know, we're used to uh, performing on square floors for our competition, uh, this was no challenge to us. Within uh, 30 minutes, an hour, we were pretty well attuned to the shape of the stage. And, uh, well, <laughs> it went well last night, so it, it showed, it showed.
1: Well, it did. It did go yeah. extremely well. You got to meet Loud Luxury, and they yeah. have become a huge success. Uh, they're big fans of yours, though. Yes,
6: yes, they were surprisingly so. After our dress rehearsal, actually, on Friday, they came on to the uh, coach bus, and they thanked us, and they were, they were very nice, very uh, very happy that we were there, and they, they spoke to us during dress rehearsals. They were happy to... Uh, talk to us uh they were they were really great really fantastic
1: and then just take us to the moments before the performance you guys perform all the time and you are exceptional Mm -hmm. and you are award-winning and you're one of the best teams anywhere (laughs) in this continent but getting ready for that how do you keep each other calm how do you keep each other ready
6: well, uh, we're obviously no stranger to the stage, of course, but, you know, this was different. This was probably, this was in recent memory, the biggest performance that we were going to have uh, uh, to a televised audience. So right before we went on at 8 o'clock, uh, Dave and Oren, he was the musical director, had us come out onto the stage in front of the crowd and he kind of, well, they let us warm up, sort of, throw some baskets. Now, I'm not going to lie, that really kind of uh, calmed the jitters. Um, when we were ready to go on, we had our earpieces on, we knew what to expect we knew that people were watching and we knew that we had to perform so when we were on the stage i mean we we, we knew exactly what we were going to do we knew uh, everyone knew exactly what to do at what count at what part in the song i mean that's how our team functions we know every move at every count and once we got on the stage we were in full performance mode full fun mode and uh yeah, there weren't even any nerves, honestly, by 8 o'clock. There were no nerves. We were, just, we were just doing our thing.
1: Well, you were one of the big takeaways from the Junos. That performance was outstanding alongside loud luxury, and certainly <laughs> we got to give a congratulations to the Western Marching Band, a part of this as well. Well-deserved recognition for all that you do. Congratulations, and uh, I guess don't go Bruins. Uh, you'll make a lot of Leaf <laughs> fans happy saying that. Alex, thanks for the time. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Alex Marchand, head of the Western cheer team. Loud Luxury comes and says, yeah, uh, we know about this. We want the cheer team and the marching band involved in what we do to open the Junos. And then they've got three weeks to figure out what to do. Can you imagine that? Have you ever had anything like that happen in your life when somebody says, here, here's what you're going to get to do. And you go, this is amazing. I can't believe this. This is going to be so much fun. And then you realize, but we also have to, to get this together. We, oh, this is also going to be a lot of work, really, really hard and pretty stressful, but they pulled it off. And again, just part of the show so congratulations to them for pulling that off the hours that they've got to put in during things like midterms and during a pretty hectic part of their own schedule we're going to take a break we've got news coming up with Jacqueline LaBelle and then we're going to do one last thing on the Junos and then we're going to get into a lot of other stuff some pretty serious today but we're going to talk with John Stobie from Stobie's Pizza because they were recognized by the well, one of the best bands that was there, uh, one of the most recognizable bands that was there. Everybody loves Arkell's, and Stoby's Pizza has been famous in this area for a long time. Arkell's just made them famous in the country. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We have so many different things to get to on the show today. We're going to check in with John Stobie at Stobie's Pizza in just a few minutes. But there are other stories that are popping up. We are going to head to New Zealand, and this is a story that has not popped up. This is a story that has taken over, and it goes back to Friday. We'll do that after 2 o'clock. We are also going to talk with a couple of members of the Muslim community here in London, one to outline... Tonight's vigil at Victoria Park, and another to look at the aftermath of Friday's shootings. So that is coming up again a little later on this hour and then after news. As we get into our next news break, we're also going to talk some education on the show. There is some interesting news concerning autonomous vehicles, too, coming out of the U.S. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. We're going to talk with John Stobie of Stobie's Pizza. But one of the things that has come up with regard to the, I guess, the... The October 17th decision to legalize marijuana or the October 17th beginning of legalization of marijuana in Canada has to do with moms and marijuana and how to deal with this when you are around your kids and around kids, period, and it's something we have an opportunity to look at right now, because joining us is Michelle Latinski from Cannabis Motherhood. Michelle, great to have you with us. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. Michelle, take us through the development of, of where you are right now with regard to cannabis and moms.
7: There's, you know, ever since October 17th, uh, came and went. I have moms reaching out all the time, just wanting to talk about it and um, starting to feel more comfortable being open about it, but also, you know, being very honest in that they still feel there's a stigma around it and they still feel guilty and is it okay that I want to use cannabis and what should I say to my kids about it and should I use in front of my kids and, you know, is it okay that I try it? So, I, you know, now it's just since October 17th, there's just been so much conversation about it. Um, so very, very interesting times for sure.
1: Absolutely, because as a parent, it's so difficult to try to decide, okay, how do how do I set this up? Do I use the old line, don't do as I do, do as I say, because that doesn't work for very long. Um, and how do I do it where I can say, yeah, this is okay for me, but this is not okay for you. So how do you start a conversation like that and, and when?
7: I don't think there's a right exact right time every parent is different every you know child is different some people aren't comfortable talking about it with their kids others I know are very very open um, about it so I think you know starting off is just to to decide how comfortable you are um, to a lot of people I say you know think about wine do you do you drink you know wine or beer in front of your kids and what kind of conversation do you have around that um, I know at home you know if I have a glass of wine my kids know that you know mommy has a glass of wine sometimes with dinner to help relax uh, you know after a very very long day and then it's an adult drink and it's it's not for them although my kids are quite young now so you know they wouldn't necessarily understand the cannabis conversation but as they get older it's certainly something I would like to be more open about um, but I know everyone is different so I I think it's it's really just um, opening the conversation um, to children because it as they get older it will become part of their lives and so I think to to not acknowledge it and you know that whole we grew up in the 80s 90s the just say no to drugs era I think it's things are very different now and uh, you know it's definitely important to have a conversation around it.
1: Michelle Datsinski joining us from Cannabis Motherhood as we look at some some difficult questions. You've been very active on social media and in at least opening up this dialogue. Some of the things that come back to you, what strikes you from what people have said to you about this?
7: Um, I think it's really just that you know the feeling guilty about using it. And I thought after October seventeenth, I'd be able to be more open, but I. You know, people think I just want to get high and I'm a bad mom and, you know, all that judgment around um, motherhood and, you know, whether it's okay for moms to use cannabis in order to relax or to sleep better or for whatever reasons they're using. um, There's still that kind of guilt associated um, with doing something for themselves.
1: When you try and kind of draw that line, that's difficult in so many different ways if you are a parent. When do you say, okay, well, now I am going to take a little bit of time for myself. Now I am going to make sure that, that I have part of, of my life that isn't necessarily completely parent involved. How do you deal with that?
7: Um, you know, but sorry. Sorry. I just miss that, like when you're when the child is asking
1: well basically when when you're looking at hey I you're always a parent 24 hours a day but at some point you do have to say it's it's okay for me to still be me how do you do Uh, that I
7: think you you know everyone's different for for me when I need time out uh, to relax I just have to say to my kids you know what mommy needs a break right now and it's it's really important for me to be a good mommy because I've had a long day and I've you know, been working hard and now I've been playing with you and I've made dinner and, you know, mommy needs 10 minutes alone type thing. So I think everyone does it differently, but I I also think it's important uh, to teach your children, you know, that it's important for you, you know, in order to be a good mom to, to take time off for yourself as well.
1: There will be people that worry, hey, you know what, cannabis, marijuana, that's a gateway drug, like you say. It was always don't do drugs through the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s. And now, now our world is a little bit of a different place. That kind of a conversation and drawing lines there, do, do you draw lines saying, hey marijuana belongs in maybe a different category saying, you know how we have a couple of drinks or whatever, do we put it there and say, yeah, but these other things like cocaine, like heroin, you know, I don't know how far you want to throw fentanyl <laughs> into it, but but do you draw a line like that in your mind in order to associate here are things that could be called recreational and here are things to stay away from?
7: I You know, I I don't want to make a blanket statement for every parent because, again, every parent is different but I think education around cannabis and cannabis use and benefits and harms um, will really, as we start to see more research, I think it will change. We, we're going to start to see, um, you know, more positive benefits coming out from it. So I don't necessarily think a parent should be, you know, going out and encouraging uh, cannabis use, but certainly as, you know, kids get older, they, they will be exposed to it. And so, you know, right now, what, what do you tell them about alcohol? You know, do you, do you say you can drink it when you're? you know, at what age or what kind of conversations do you have um, around that? I think it's really about safe and responsible use. And if, if you're going to use it, you know, um, make sure you're of legal age, you know, be around friends you trust, things, things like that. Um, but, you know, certainly there's going to be parents who don't necessarily feel comfortable telling their child it's, it's okay to use versus hard drugs. So it's, you know, there's still that conversation about just say no when you're younger. It's just that people are having a more open conversation now as opposed to drawing that hard line, it seems.
1: Well, Michelle, it's great to hear you use the word conversation as much as you do and communication as much as you do, because you're never going in the wrong direction if you've got conversation and communication going on. Thanks so much for sharing the thoughts on this. We really appreciate it.
7: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Take care. You too.
1: That is Michelle Latinsky from Cannabis Motherhood. One of those things that becomes a big question, and there has been a lot of activity on whether it is Facebook or whether it's uh, other, other spots that have created those online dialogues that now are being brought into other areas to say, okay, how, how, how do you deal with this? How do you say, well, this is okay for me, but it's not okay for you? And is it okay to say, yeah, I, c- I can have my time and I'm doing this, and it does not involve my children. You know, that's, that's a tough one. That is, that is a tough one. Because if you handle it wrong, all of a sudden your kids are going to look at you in a different way. They really are. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have everybody's answer. And neither does Michelle. And she's not pretending to. Because every situation does have to be different. But if you are going to be a parent, you have to put your kids number one. I would say as close to 100% of the time as you can. And maybe I'm wrong in that. You know, maybe I'm wrong in that you have time that you need for yourself or you'll drive yourself absolutely bonkers. But you've got to put your kids number one. And if it means... Not smoking pot. It means not smoking pot. But that's not the attitude that we're hearing from everybody. And it's not the attitude that we're hearing from cannabis motherhood at all. How do you see things? If you want to give some reaction, send me an email. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. That's Mike at 980cfpl.ca. We were just in touch with John Stolby from Stolby's Pizza. It is still lunchtime. We're going to give John a little bit of a break. Because he's hard at work right now making pizzas. Uh, Stoby's got a great piece of recognition last night from our Kells from on stage at Budweiser Gardens. We will check in with John, but we'll give him a little bit more time just to finish up the lunch rush. And we'll talk to him next hour, which means up next. We are going to get very serious with something. And we are going to get very serious with the targeting of another group. And you don't have to look at this as being the targeting of Muslims. You don't have to look at this as being the targeting of of any one specific group. I think we've got to open the conversation and say, if we look back over whatever shootings we have seen, whether they be Pittsburgh, whether it is Quebec... Whether it is Georgia, whether it is in New Zealand on Friday, we have groups being targeted. And it's not always the same group, but this is something where everybody else, because everybody, you can divide us all into groups. You can divide us all into hundreds of groups. We got to get a change here. We got to get somebody speaking up. We got to get all of us speaking up. And in a moment, we'll talk with someone who's definitely not afraid to speak up. That's next on London Live and Global News Radio 980 CFPL. All we did was watch the death toll rise over the weekend after another senseless tragedy in, this time, New Zealand. It's been anywhere and everywhere why bother with this you get someone whose stupid little manifesto was all about creating chaos you know if you're that unhappy i don't know what to do with you i really don't i don't know where you've reached that point from i don't know where you're headed but the idea that you're going to you're going to hurt innocent people no one ever has an answer for that the only people who do are the ones that are willing to hurt innocent people So, what do we do about this? Well, I think we turn to people who are not afraid to speak up. I think we turn to people who seek out the wisdom within themselves, the wisdom of others. And we want to welcome to London Live right now, Imam Abd al-Fatah Twakal, to talk about the New Zealand shootings and just the overall act that repeated itself yet again. Imam, thank you for joining us on London Live.
3: Thank you for having me, Mike.
1: When you look at this situation, it's yet another tragedy in our world, but when you take it in the perspective of the Muslim community, what is the initial reaction that you hear from people? Well, when
3: this uh, took place on Friday uh, in New Zealand, um, some of the sentiments that had been expressed uh, were, were not shock, even though the event itself was shocking. Uh, but many within our community weren't surprised that this happened, because uh, of all of the different uh, rising of uh, rhetoric uh, against Muslims that has been taking place, that we, you know, we felt that it, it's, it's almost bound to happen at one point or another. And, and that's really the, the, the most unfortunate uh, thing uh, in, in all of this, is, of course, the loss of, of lives. Uh, it, it's atrocious and it's horrific. And we're still uh, reeling in pain um, from, from two years ago that what happened in Quebec or, you know, with uh, what happened in, in Pittsburgh for the Jewish community the last October or what happened, you know, in, in, in Charleston at the church uh, and, and then this in New Zealand. This is, this, this is a type of, of madness that really has to stop. And so the conversation now is, is shifting much more towards what are some proactive steps that we can do? What are some action plans that we can put in place uh, as a community, as a whole, to prevent these atrocities uh, from happening? Because there is a route um, to, to these events, uh, and, and these are things that just simply uh, occur out of a vacuum.
1: Have there been suggestions as to what can be done, suggestions you could act on?
3: Well, definitely in terms of if you look at the root of this, Mike, at the root of this, um, you have two things. You have ignorance and you have arrogance. And and when you look at any form of racism or bigotry or discrimination or hatred, it comes down to these two elements of uh, ignorance uh, of other people. Uh, and a sense of arrogance, that you think that you're better than someone else because of your, the, you know, the, the color of your skin or because of your ethnicity or your race or whatever it may be. And, and that's what's at the root of the problem, Mike. And so we need to look at what roles or actions that we can take in terms of educating uh, other people. And this has been something that uh, we, we hear uh, quite often. People need to know more about, uh, for example, who Muslims are. A lot of times, you know, the people will say things, um, you know, when you're looking at on, on social media or whatnot, stories that talk about Islam or Muslims and, and whatnot, um, that, they, that there is a lot of vitriol. There, there is a, a lot of hateful comments that are directed towards Muslims. And I would uh, be willing to wager that the vast majority of these people um, who are saying these things have never met a Muslim in their life. They've never been to a mosque. They've never, you know, took the time to actually educate uh, themselves. And that's something that every individual should be responsible for doing in terms of being critical of their own views. So that's one thing, is education. Uh, but the other aspect uh, of this um, is in order to be able to to speak out. When we do hear words uh, of, of uh, or rhetoric of hatred, um, or things that, that could incite uh, uh, violence or, or spread the hatred and, and division amongst our communities, uh, we have to take the responsibility on ourselves not to only be critical um, of our views, that if we feel that there might be some uh, ignorance or there might be some arrogance in what it is that we're saying, uh, we have to also uh, uh, to step up to the plate and say, uh, call uh, it out for what it is. If there's white supremacism, we call it white supremacism, acts of terror, acts of terror, Islamophobia, Islamophobia. We call it for what it is. And, and we're not afraid to speak out uh, because this is what it is that we have to do collectively, Mike, in order to be able to to combat uh, these issues. So it's about education, and and it's about being critical um, of our own views uh, and and stopping uh, rhetoric of hatred when it happens.
1: Imam Abd al-Fatah Twakal talking with us today on London Live. As we look at some really strong messages, and, and thank you for bringing us those messages. Those are not just messages that could be used by any one community. Those are messages that could be used by everybody, should be used by everybody. If you do see something, we've got to get to the point where you call somebody on it, don't we?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and this is why it's a collective effort, Mike. It's not only about, you know, Islamophobia. This time it was about Islamophobia in terms of what happened in New Zealand. But the next time, it could be other groups. And and so we have to be proactive. We have to stand together as a community um, and and rightfully call out these things for what they are, which is is, uh, hatred, which is, uh, you know, rhetoric of of division uh, and and bigotry and racism. And we have to put a stop to it. But we are the ones who are responsible to to do that. We are the ones who have to, you know, take actions in order to be able to prevent these things from happening again. But we need to be proactive. We need to take steps now um, so that uh, we, we don't wait for another incident like this to happen, and then we just start this conversation all over again. It's something that has to be continuous, Mike.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing the thoughts. My pleasure, Mike. Mike, thank you for having me. Imam Abd al-Fatah to a call on the New Zealand Shooters, but you got to listen to the message that is there. And we've talked about this from a number of perspectives. We've got a world that is becoming more and more divided. And you can throw the blame wherever you want to. You can throw the blame at Russia. Because they have had campaigns that, you know, you can listen right now to Russia Rising, which is a great podcast, which is available on CuriousCast. And it goes through a lot of theories as to why we are as divided as we are. You've got a lot of Russian trolls that have created division based on postings on Facebook, fake news stuff, you know, having the person in power in the South, I don't care what you say, it doesn't help. It doesn't help when it comes to battling divisiveness. But we've talked about this in terms of words that we use and the LGBTQ community and the idea that you use hateful words and you don't even realize it. That's the kind of stuff you have to change. But it's also the kind of stuff that you've got to call out. If somebody says it, you have to have the ability not to yell at them or get angry with them, but to be able to say, you know what, that's, that's not right. And it's a hard thing to do. It is much easier to join with them than it is to go against them. But it's something you have to do. And that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. We've got to battle against the divisiveness that exists. We have groups and we have identities because it helps us. It helps us to make us feel, yes, I'm I'm better than somebody else. But we're not. We've had that forever. You know? Why do people cut up other people? It is to make yourself feel bigger and better. It's the way it's always been. Because we as humans... Struggle with our own self-worth. We're big bundles of emotion. So you designate yourself to a group. And it somehow makes you feel better. But those those groups get dangerous. And you can find them in any walk of life. From gangs to religious leanings to political leanings. And it is all, in the end, pretty dangerous. At least it has the potential to be. And that, I think is the message that we were getting there from the imam. The idea that you don't, you don't need to target a group and say, yeah, you, no, I don't, I don't like you I don't, because of what you are. I don't, I don't like you. And I still don't know why we struggle with that, but we sure do. And I think we struggle with it more now than we did maybe even five years ago, ten years ago, because somehow things are happening to make it okay again. That's wrong. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Coming up next, Jacqueline Labelle will have news, and then we are going to attempt to go to New Zealand and just find out how things are there. And we'll talk about a vigil happening tonight at Victoria Park for the victims of Friday's shooting. Plus, we'll talk education. News is next. This is Global News Radio, nine eighty CFPL.
0: Good afternoon. It is two o'clock. I'm Jacqueline Labelle in downtown London. We have mostly cloudy skies. It is two degrees. The 48th Annual Juno Awards had a distinctly London flavor. London's own loud luxury started the broadcast by performing with Western University's marching band and cheerleaders. Mariel Reid from London Girls Rock Camp spoke on the broadcast about how the Juno charity has helped her. And the Arkells gave Stobies a shout-out. John Stobie tells 980 CFPL he was watching live when they mentioned his restaurant.
8: It's a great honor. Um... I guess that's it. It's it's amazing to uh, it's amazing to hear. Uh, just a little family restaurant that uh, we just try to work hard at, and and to be put out across the nation like that is crazy.
0: Downtown London's Jeanette McDonald says the Junos help put the spotlight on London. When people come down for an
6: event like the Junos and they look at the stores and the windows, and they think, "Hmm, I want to come back." You know, when this is all over, I want to come back down on a Saturday afternoon and see what this is all about, and that's a lot of the value. When you can get people, you know, walking by the business and saying, oh, that looks interesting, I'm going to come back later. And that does happen a lot.
0: McDonald says the entire event went off without a hitch. You can find a full list of the winners on our website, 980cfbl.ca. After successfully hosting the biggest tourism event to ever be held in the city, the head of Tourism London has announced he'll be stepping down later this year. John Winston's last day will be July 4th. After serving as general manager for 18 years, he says it's time to refresh the status quo and give others an opportunity to showcase their management and leadership talents. 980 CFPL News time 203. A gunman killed three people and wounded five on a streetcar in the Dutch city of Utrecht this morning. The city's mayor says it appears to be a terror attack. The police chief says the suspect in the deadly train shooting, uh, tram shooting rather, has been detained. Further details were not immediately available. Londoners will hold a vigil tonight to remember the victims of Friday's massacre in Christchurch, New Zealand. A gunman stormed two mosques and killed 50 people in the terror attacks that rocked the city and communities around the world. Dozens of other people were hurt in the shootings. Tonight's vigil is planned for this evening at 6 o'clock in Victoria Park. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has filled a cabinet vacancy with B.C. Member of Parliament Joyce Murray, who will assume the role of Treasury Board President. The move to name Murray to Cabinet comes after Ontario MP Jane Philpott resigned from the role over the handling of the SNC-Lavalin controversy. Murray was first elected federally in 2008 and served previously as a Cabinet Minister in BC's provincial government from 2001 to 2005. She had been serving as the Parliamentary Secretary to the President of the Treasury Board from 2015 until now. The government says she will help to advance priorities, including a focus on growing the economy for the middle class. Christy Kirkup, the Canadian Press, Ottawa. Eastern Ontario MPP Randy Hillier alleges he was expelled from the Progressive Conservative Party for raising concerns about unregistered lobbying by the Premier's close friends and advisors. Hillier released an open letter today claiming his ejection from the party is because he pushed back against party operatives who are constraining the voices of elected politicians. Premier Doug Ford's office calls Hillier's allegations outright lies. Amanda Samard, who left the party late last year over cuts to Francophone services, says she felt she was muzzled too and not allowed to speak in the legislature.
5: That's exactly what I said when I left um, because I uh, tried to speak and uh, I wasn't able to get on the list uh, during that time in November. And so uh, I haven't seen, I've seen the letter quickly, but uh, I know that uh, from my experience I uh, was prevented.
0: Hillier says he was punished for a variety of activities, including refusing to obtain permission to speak to the media and for failing to stand and applaud the government during legislative sessions. You're listening to 980 CFPL.
1: We headed into quite an amazing weekend in London, Ontario, with the Junos here, with St. Patrick's Day. But it all began on Friday with news from New Zealand that there had been another shooting. Not another shooting in New Zealand, just another shooting. Whether it's Charleston, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's Quebec, whether it's Christchurch, it's a shooting. And in this case, 50 dead, 40 injured. We have an opportunity... To head now to Christchurch, New Zealand, we got to know Shawnee Ostman as a Knights fan. And in fact, she made a journey to London, Ontario not too long ago to come and watch a Knights game in person. But Shawnee's a resident of New Zealand and spends a lot of time talking about really fun things like music, like hockey. We are off to New Zealand right now to talk with Shawnee about how things are going there. Shawnee, thanks so much for being a part of the show today.
9: Thank you, Mike. It's good
1: to talk to you. It's good to talk to you. I wish we were talking about Knights Playoffs, or I wish we were talking about the latest track that you've uncovered, but we're talking about something different. How is the feeling right now in Christchurch?
9: Shocked. Yeah, shock is is a big thing. Um, no one would ever have thought something like that would happen here. Um, the earthquakes were bad enough, and um, then to have something like this happen, uh, people are just just yeah devastated. Really.
1: When you look at how things have changed from Friday until today, is is there any difference in the conversations that you're having with other people?
9: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, there are a lot of people who are very on edge now that they 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 never thought that they'd be facing something like that in in our little country and um, now they 're continually looking over their shoulders and thinking what why didn't we see this happening? Where did it come from and um, just reevaluating their whole lives really it's it 's a little bit of a a loss of innocence where um, yeah such a small country, and we just never thought it would happen here
1: and in Canada, we look at New Zealand as being one of those places that is downright tropical it 's one of those dream places to live. What is it like to live in New Zealand?
9: Oh, it is good it is a a very good country um i'm I'm proud to call it home um, it 's always been a place that there is something for everybody, and i um I, I've uh, lived from one end of the country to the other, and it does differ a lot over the the actual country itself. You talk about tropical. Well, it's, it's a little more tropical up north. Down south, it is much more. Uh, you're talking your um, English countryside kind of thing. It's um, yeah, rocks and and um, and bush walks and that kind of thing that way. And then we've got the mountains and the sea. So it's pretty much something for everyone here. It's a lovely country.
1: Shawnee Osman with us from New Zealand. And again, Shawnee has been a great London Knights supporter forever. And now we talk with her about something that, as you say, has kind of taken away some of the security around the country. Is, is this something that that people are are talking about you know when when you see someone today is it the first thing that is still being discussed or or has that faded a little bit
9: yeah no it is still being discussed um communities are still um getting together uh there's lots of visuals going on um people uh gathering to to remember what happened and um to, you know, comfort each other. That, that there's a lot of that going on. We have one here in my town, uh, tonight, um, in Christchurch. I think there is a big one, a big vigil on, uh, Thursday night and, uh, they're having a march on the Saturday through the town and uh, that is a, going to be a huge deal, that one, I think. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very much the topic. It's, The thing that's dominating the news programs, it's uh, on every radio station, in every paper still. Um, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon.
1: When you look at at where you live, are you close to Christchurch?
9: I'm about a 45-minute drive away from Christchurch. Um, But our town here was also mentioned as a possible target. We have a mosque here. And it was listed as one of the possible targets by the shooter if he got out of town. So that was, yeah, a bit scary.
1: Absolutely. And and when you when you heard that the first time, how quickly did it strike you, and how did it strike you?
9: Ah, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the police response was. Very very good um, they within um, they responded within six minutes of the first shots, and they had him in custody i think thirty seven minutes so and that was with him travelling between two locations as well, so they did an excellent excellent job
1: well. As you say, the the security is not, uh, or the I guess the comfort level is has been shaken, has been taken away, and and I really hope that one day that can come back. Are people talking a lot about gun laws? Because typically in North America, as soon as something like this happens, there will be discussions about gun laws. Is that a topic?
9: Yes, uh, it's not going to be just discussions. Uh, the government has um, committed to bringing in. Um, Changes to New Zealand gun, gun laws within 10 days of um, the event happening. Um, and the key topic part of that is uh, banning semi-automatic rif- rifles, uh, military-style semi-automatic rifles. They will be banned.
1: Hmm. And that's something that we no, don't necessarily no. hear around here. That That's quick action. Typically when something does happen, is is this normal for the New Zealand government to say, OK, we're taking action, it's happening now, get out of the way?
9: Pretty much, yeah. Um, Response is usually very good. We are a small population, so it is easier. There's there's less uh, lobby groups, maybe, that um, are going to get in the way of things like this. And there was a recommendation uh, a couple of years back that the the, um, firearms laws needed revamping, and it wasn't action then, and I think this time... It's, it's a case of, yes, we're going to do this because we don't want this happening here again.
1: There we go. Well, Shawnee, thank you so much. It's been great getting to know you over the years, and I really appreciate you taking some time out for us today.
9: Thank you, Mike. Same applies. I really enjoyed uh, listening to you, and um, it's really good to keep in touch.
1: Let's do that. Take care.
9: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Shawnee Osman from New Zealand. Lives just outside Christchurch about forty five minutes away, she said they have a mosque in their town. It was listed as a potential target by that manifesto and fortunately the police did their job but that's that's interesting to hear and you know whether whether it is going back to the Netherlands and flooding that they had once upon a time, whether it's Australia and a tragic gun incident there, whether it's New Zealand, I always applaud these countries that are able to say, okay, this is what happened. All right. Obviously there's a problem because if you're going to have a mass shooting, there's a problem. If you're going to have a flood that kills hundreds of people, there's a problem. So how do we address this? And they go and they do it. Take a look at Holland, the Netherlands, and what they have done in order to prevent flooding. It is incredible. The amount of money spent was big, but they have never had an issue like what they had. In North America, what is it with us? Why don't why don't we ever get anything done? Because we don't. How many mass shootings have we had? What's been done? Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, well, we'll look at this and we'll look at... But, uh, Nothing's been done, at all. Ten days, they're going to change things because they have looked at those gun laws in New Zealand and they have decided, no, this is a problem. And the gunman here was able to buy guns legally. They've talked to the person he bought the store, the guns from the store they bought them from, and yet they're going to change things. You know, the death toll in New Zealand in terms of homicides per year. I don't know how many people died in 2017 by homicide. 35. This is something that does not happen. Let's go to the phones quickly with Bob. Hey, Bob.
10: Hey, Mike. How you doing, buddy? Good. Hey, uh, you know, of course, I I condemn what's happened. Right? Like any normal, sane person. I hear a butt though, so give us your butt. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, all my condolences and sympathies go out to these people. Of course. Uh, I'm not Islamophobic, and I'm not a racist, and I'll condemn a terrorist act committed by a white person, a black person, a brown person, or any race on this planet. Okay, my question is, when you have, and and, and, you know, when you have, uh, and we've all seen it around the world, radical Muslims uh, partaking in terrorist act, what phobia do they, what's the phobia that they suffer from? Because we have to have an honest conversation is what I'm getting what, at. What,
1: what kind of honest conversation are we having what? here? Because, no, 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 hang on. Because why? then we have radical white supremacists That's doing right. all kinds of things. That's right, Mike. It,
10: it, let, let me this But why those. did you
1: have to mention...
10: No, because... Look, well, just hold on. Just, like This is where I always come to the... To, when I get into this conversation... Ha- I've had conversations with Muslim people about this. And I could sit down and talk to them rationally about it. Okay? And when I call in... And I'm all I'm trying to say, but I, nobody ever lets me finish my statement.
1: And what i what I'm. Trying all right. To, then today, Bob, I'm going to let you finish your statement, and I, I, eagerly await the end of it. Okay. My, my statement is absolutely what you just said, Mike. We have white
10: people. We have extreme leftists. We have extreme rights uh, 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 terrorist acts. Okay. I'm not p- protecting any of them. My point is, we had better sit down and talk. It's a society in and, 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 and a species, uh, what is really going on here? We have four guilty parties going on here, okay? If you look at it, you have extremists on many sides all over the world with ideologies that drive them to do these things. It's hate and it's fear. We have to, be, we have to hold people accountable. Maybe the media should be held accountable in some respects, too, because they seem to politicize all these events, okay? Okay. We better start sitting down and talking about our differences and sorting this stuff out, okay? And be honest about it. And call every person of every race, of every ideology ideology, out. Call them out on their actions of terrorist acts, okay? If we're not willing to do that and we're always willing to, to point just at the white people or just at the Muslim terrorists or just at the extreme left, you know, we have them all. We've had the baseball diamond shooting by the Democrats. We had a guy caught, thank God by the FBI and the CIA who had a radical agenda to kill CNN people, Democrats, right? We've just had two more terrorist attacks in the last few days, one in in the Netherlands, and one and I believe it was Nigeria, on different different ethnic backgrounds committing these these terrorist acts. So we've got an issue here. we got to sit down and talk about everybody involved and why all ethnic backgrounds are taking action against other ethnic backgrounds and wanting to wipe them out with cars, with bombs, with guns and mosses we just seen in New Zealand. That's my point. Now, if we're not going to sit down and talk about this honestly, we're not going to solve it. But don't protect one side and not and just point fingers at one side because we're all to blame. And every, and every ethnic background better start reeling in their side. And, and, and having some logical conversations and getting through to these people who are on the fringe, uh, you know, lunatic fringe of doing these things. So we all better just look deep inside what our actions are. And when I, oh, and I'll, I'll say one more other thing. I've sat down, and I'm not, I'm not making this up, I've sat down and had these conversations with Muslim people. We've had long conversations. And what's come up in these conversations is the Qur'an in Surah 9.5, chapter 9.5, which states clearly the teachings of kill the infidels, which is everybody. The extremists use this as a jihad excuse to go and, and commit terrorist acts. So I've had discussions with Muslim people, and I've asked them straight out, calmly, rational conversation, why is this still being taught? Why is this still part of your book? Why isn't it extracted and why isn't that effort made publicly to say, okay, we're, we're not going to be teaching this to our young kids anymore. We've got to extract this out. Oh, it's literally a violent part, and we've had that within our other religious books, and some of them have taken it out and re, you know, revamped and rewritten the teachings. So this is what we've got to do. This is what we've got to do. Rationally sit down and say, why is that part of your teachings? Why are you teaching people to give them... This, this but
1: like you say, that that goes to absolutely everything, and, and we've had we've had extremist, yeah. radical teachings forever. Bob, thank yeah. you so much for saying what you did.
10: Yeah, well, I mean, I like, like again, Mike, I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not for any side here. No, no, and I'm, no, I, no, I, and I'm glad right. you
1: made that clear. I'm yeah. glad you made that clear. Bob, yeah. have a great day. Okay, you too, Mike. And that's Bob's exactly right. This is what we we're talking about before news, just about 25 minutes ago. We divide ourselves into groups, and groups can feel power because you're part of a group you're part of an organization it's the wolf pack mentality a lone wolf okay a pack of wolves Hmm. now we've got a problem and it can't exist all over now a lone wolf can be problematic but a pack of wolves as, as well if you can if you can put yourself into a group and you believe that your group is better than another group we've got an issue And I don't know where we put an end to that. Richard... What do you feel about this?
8: Well, let's put it this way, Mike. I won't be quite as long-winded. But, you know, the other night, it's not often I get to watch a good interview right on the Clinton News Network. But Governor Jeb Bush was there. And nobody's ever accused Jeb Wright of being a lefty, right? But anyways, Governor Bush of Florida, he was doing an interview. I think the man's name was David Axelrod. And at the very end, this is what he said. We have to call out people, he said, Republicans as well, who are anti-immigrant. Me, I have never been anti-immigrant immigrant not when it comes to legal immigration when it comes to legal immigration i would sooner have a hundred thousand legal immigrants come into my country who have been vetted and screened and i know that's not a national security risk to us than to have one illegal illegal come into this country and that hasn't been vetted and screened but having said that i got a question to ask you mike i don't know much about auckland new zealand or the country of new zealand for that matter do they have the death penalty there
1: I don't know, but Richard, I'm going to find out for you.
8: Well, I'll tell you, 38 out of 50 states in the wonderful USA have it, right? And I hope that this individual, right, once he receives a fair trial, and if he's found guilty, right, I hope he meets the same uh, fate, right, that Timothy McVeigh uh, received, right, back in 1995. And I'll tell you, I don't care if it's a white Christian, I don't care if it's a Muslim, I don't care what their nationality is. You commit an act of terrorism, Mike, right, I believe in the death penalty. You have a good day.
1: Thanks, Richard. And just to update things, thanks to Matt, no death penalty in New Zealand. Got to take a break. If you're on hold, please stay with us. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Okay, just got a note I want to get to in a few minutes. So we'll keep this conversation going after news. And it deals with something that Bob had said. So get ready for that because it starts with the words, Bob is incorrect. And we'll get to that. Bob, I'll I'll let you know what it says. Uh, got about thirty seconds, Al, but they're your thirty seconds. Please take them.
2: How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. <clears throat> you mentioned there why nothing gets done in like in our countries and that. You gotta look at our governments. Our governments are either very left or very right. And if you don't tow party lines, you don't get a you, you get ousted. So the good members out there, like there's good liberal members, there's good conservative members, and there's good NDP members. If they don't get to vote with their own personal conscience and for the best of their parties, stuff won't get done because everybody in a party, um, everybody that's in a party that votes against your leader is ousted or put in a backbench. We have to allow open voting, and then stuff will come up and we'll have legitimate debates, and we'll have the betterment of the country moving forward, or province, or even city. You know, it's even bad in the city when you have to follow your mayor or the, the better few of the, the city council. You know, we need to allow it to be democratic, and really democratic. You know, I know members of the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party that would love to change gun laws, that would love to make uh, our, our anti-terrorism laws better. But the parties don't want to lose votes, so they're very afraid to touch on controversial items because they'll get vote they'll get people siding one side or the other, and they could lose votes. And that's that's not right. It should be who is your member speaks out of his conscience and votes out of the way his people feel, not what the party
1: says. Al, that is bang on, and I really appreciate you for sharing that because that's how our democratic system is broken. And you've summed it up beautifully. Thanks, Mike. You have Take a good care. day. You too. That's exactly right. You know why? Because it's about keeping a job. How do we keep politicians from having a job? Because it shouldn't be a job. You're a civil servant, you are performing a service. But it comes down to a job. How do I get reelected? It's happening already. That's what needs to change here. And Al's exactly right. You want to get something done? You got to get people who are willing to get something done and not be worried about their own backside the next election. That's the problem we have here in North America. Exactly. We'll take a break, and then I will get to a note, and we are also going to talk about tonight's vigil at Victoria Park. We'll get the information on that, and we'll close out on a note that that becomes a very happy note. We'll visit with John Stobie. He's had a very busy lunch hour over at Stobie's Pizza, but we'll visit with him before the end of London Live today. News is next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Thank you once again for the conversation we have been having. This is what talk radio is for. And here's another part of it. If you hear something that I say and you go, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. You have to let me know. You have to email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You have to give us a call, 519-643-2222. Because there will be things that I say that you go, you have no idea what you're talking about. And maybe I am completely wrong. Help me to understand it. And you may hear things that are said in other ways, and you think, no, that's not right. So please speak up. That's exactly what happened. Now, we were talking before news about, of course, violence and certain individuals targeting groups. We've seen it again and again and again. Talking about how New Zealand has said, 10 days, we're going to change some gun laws. We're going to fix some things. Al brought up some great points as to why it doesn't happen here. Our politicians are part of groups. They can't vote on their own. You'd be turfed. You'd be shunned. You wouldn't be able to get back in. You'd lose your nice job. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that's the way it goes. Now, I do want to bring about a clarification. Bob had been talking, and he said some things that basically went along the lines of we have to get everybody together and we have to have an open dialogue and we have to keep the i guess i don't I don't want to put words in his mouth but i'm trying to summarize as best i can we have to keep the extremes of groups from acting the way that they do bob said rein in certain individuals now he had used the word he said he had talked with people from the muslim faith and he had talked about something in the quran that deals with kill all infidels well i got a note from ali that says i'm going to read this word for word and it's just adding to our discussion ali says bob is incorrect the verses he quoted were not in context that deals with a battle of defense that was imposed on the early muslims and they were told to defend against those who assaulted them period and those who were fighting them happened to be people who wanted to stifle islam the kill the infidels does not apply now or ever since at all. This is an exception and not a rule or principle. And Ali finishes by saying, you can take that to the bank. So I wanted to add that into the discussion. Because you can take any religious text you want, and you can find anything. I, it drives me nuts when people will take one little passage somewhere in some religious text and base their life on it. Be
10: careful.
1: Be careful. Is all context. So in this case, that's the way that Ali says it is to be interpreted. Okay, we're going to take a break. Next up, we will talk about a vigil that is being held in London. And that vigil is being held at Victoria Park tonight. And it is being held for the 50 people in New Zealand who lost their lives, the 40 others who were injured and senselessly yet again they're making changes in new zealand what are we doing here haven't heard much this is london live on global news radio 980 cfpl we'll get you some details in just a moment on the vigil happening at victoria park let's go to the phones with phil phil how's your day going
11: uh, not too bad mike how about you not too bad all right, so um, just a little bit of a counterpoint for Ali there. Um, I'm not very uh, educated or anything in it, but I do know that there is it's, it's something called being a kafir. Um, and when Sharia law is properly implemented uh, according to the Quran, um, any non-Muslim uh, uh, people, so that would be Christians, Jews, um, just about anybody else, Buddhists, uh, we are all labeled as kafirs. And what a kafir is is somebody who is not willing to change their beliefs uh, to the Muslim beliefs. So what the uh, what the uh, state does in that case, you know, you're labeled as a kafir, and you're forced into paying a tax to be allowed to still do business and to have your life still. And if you're not willing to pay that tax, you get killed, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, but uh, but that sounds like it goes back in time, I and mean, we I can compare this to crusade. Oh, no, Crusades. no, Mike, it,
11: it goes right over to where ISIS the over to um, Syria, and you could I I personally know Christian refugees from Syria who were being forced to pay these taxes. There needs to be a reform of the Muslim religion in the same way that there's been forced reform of Christian religion. Uh, in the way that we have multiple books, Christians. Muslims are forced into reading from one book, and they say, um, "Okay, this part's from an old old part that doesn't uh, apply to anything around now." No, until you take it out of the book, until you write a new book, people are still going to forever call you out on it, and and that's my view on it. Is uh, until they rewrite their book, until they come out with a second testament, uh, you could call it, um, they're going to keep having these problems of having people call them out on. Uh, on stuff
1: that might not be true. Who knows? Phil, uh, what but what we're going to do off. is, we'll endeavor to learn more. Because yeah, I, I, hey, thank you for raising the issue. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. And this week, I will endeavor to learn more on the show about. Kafir, and certainly about Sharia law as well, and what you're talking about in terms of kind of the, the blanket faith, because I I have trouble believing that we've got a blanket faith, because there aren't too many Muslims who are going to say, yeah, you know what's going on in ISIS? Same thing. That's us. That's not going to happen. You're not going to hear that.
11: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, they want to separate themselves, right? And to have the proper separation, they need to fully separate. Um, to f- I know that they have outright condemned, but you can't. You can only go so far until you write a new book and say we are not them. And until that's done, yeah, that's about all I got to say, Mike. But you have an awesome one. I'll be listening, obviously, to hear uh, hear what you have to say. And, we will uh, do that
1: later in the week. I promise. Thanks for oh. thanks for taking the, t- the time to call in, Phil. Okay, have a nice one. Man. Okay, you too. Okay. All right, we have a vigil taking place tonight, and I, I can't I can't speak to it. Um, we're not going to get into uh, to rebuttal after rebuttal, but we're going to learn more. This week on London Live, because that's a great thing for anybody to do. That's what talk radio is for learning. This evening, we are going to have a vigil at Victoria Park. And joining us right now with information on that and some other thoughts on what has been going on, Mohammed Hamoud. Mohammed, thank you for taking the time to be with us on London Live.
5: Always. Thank you, Mike, for allowing me to share my and some words with your listeners. Thank you very much.
1: One thing we want to touch on is that there is going to be a, would you call it a vigil tonight at Victoria Park?
5: Yes, sir. We are having a vigil to commemorate the lives of the victims uh, that perished in the Christchurch, New Zealand massacre on Friday. And we extend the invitation to our fellow Londoners, to everyone to please join us and to come to Remember those lives so that they do not go in vain.
1: And what time is that going to be taking place? It
5: starts at 6 o'clock at, uh, I believe, the gates at Richmond and uh, Central. We will be there, uh, you know, congregating with other people in the community at 6 o'clock. Uh, you will see people there. Uh, we, you know, if you're not sure whereabouts in Victoria Park, just look out for uh, a group of people that are standing there, and we will have some speakers. We have. Uh, people from other uh, uh, faiths joining us, from uh, the Jewish synagogues, from uh, different uh, churches in in the city. And we're really looking forward to standing with our fellow Londoners and just uh, a silent prayer and with some commemoration of some words to honor the lives that ended too
1: soon. Mohammed Hamoud joining us as we look back to the tragedy last week in New Zealand. There will be a vigil tonight, as Mohammed says, at 6 o'clock at Victoria Park. In terms of what you expect to hear from people who speak tonight, what sorts of things do you find important to say at this time?
5: First and foremost, gratitude to our fellow Londoners for always supporting each other, right? So this is a lot more than just a story about Muslims or what is happening to Muslims worldwide. This is about what is happening to all of us. Because like I've said this to you before, Mike, like, we are a body. A human body. We are one community. And when one of us aches, we all feel the pain. So we are gathering tonight to to feel that together and to say that this has to stop. Because even here in London, even in Canada, we do face racism. The Quebec massacre was not even, you know, just a couple of years ago. And the horrific terror act in New Zealand, you know, 49 lives were taken and another 49 in the hospital. We, you know, we fainted when is the next attack? And we want to highlight that this is something that should not happen. Unfortunately, we don't have any control over when it does. But what we can control, what we can try to impact is to have the right policies in place that we call terrorism, terrorism when it happens, regardless of who perpetrates the act, right? Normally what happens if you're a you are engaged in some act of terror, or a pseudo-Muslim, let me say, right? So people who have hijacked Islam for their own perverted interpretation of Islam. Right away we hear about it, and, you know, it, that's all we talk about is, you know, Muslim terrorists. Yet when these white supremacists are killing people, killing Jews in, in Pittsburgh, killing um, Muslims in Quebec City, killing Muslims in, um, in Christchurch. church, We don't call it what it is. And our leaders and our politicians have to, you know, be good leaders and call it what it is. It is terrorism.
1: We're talking with... That's part
5: of of what we'll talk about tonight.
1: We are talking with Mohammed Hamoud. And tonight there will be a vigil at Victoria Park. There will be speakers. Mohammed. before we close out, fear. Uh, It's something that terrorism... Breeds. It's one of the reasons people turn to terrorism, is to create fear. Um, How do you deal with fear in uh, in a community that, once again, has been targeted in another country, but you just pointed it out, has also been targeted in our country?
5: So by creating relationships, by creating bridges and not walls, by talking to each other, by recognizing that um, we are more than mere labels, ethnicity, religion, uh, our names, you know, these are just labels, and we are human beings. We may come from many different backgrounds, but we form one nation, and that is humankind. So when we come together to recognize that we are sisters and brothers, and there's something more central that brings us together, just our humanity, then we realize we are not so different. And, and that's at, at, at the focus of what we'll talk about, but that's a discussion that needs to happen all the time, and this is what needs to be reflected in the policies that, w- that we have and and this teachings that we have at our schools, and our mosques, in our churches, we can't talk enough about it. When we erase ignorance, we erase the fear, and then we start talking about what brings us together, not what tears us apart.
1: Tonight, 6 o'clock, Victoria Park. Mohammed, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Thank you very much, Mike. Take care. You too. Mohammed Hamoud on the vigil tonight at Victoria Park, starting at 6 o'clock. Time for one more break. We are going to finish the show the way we started the show. We're going to talk Juno's and some of the aftermath. Thank you for the discussion, and we will talk more about this topic that we've been dealing with for about an hour now as the shows unfold this week. So stick with us this week. But up next, Stobie's Pizza, getting a nice little call-out from Arkell's. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. What a Monday. What a weekend. What a last week. Again, congratulations to everybody who made the Junos flawless. That's not an easy thing to do, but it was done. And it was done in this city yet again. Big event comes to town. Don't worry. You're in London, Ontario. You'll be fine. That's not pumping the tires just for the sake of pumping the tires. That's what this city is. We do come together. We spent the last hour talking about divisiveness. Groups. We don't need that. What we need is to bring people together. And that's exactly what the Junos showed. That you can take people and you can bring them together and they become part of one whole success story. And that's exactly what took place. So congratulations from the top of the committee getting this, because this this was, and we have to realize this, this was not a slam dunk. This wasn't even a layup. This was not a 10-foot jumper. This was more like a half-court hope shot. This was, you know, let's just put a ball in the air and see if it goes through the hoop. Because you were coming to a city that is smaller than what the normal, or normal size of city the Junos goes to. We were having them come to a venue. It was much smaller than what we have had in the past, Um, and it worked, and it worked out real well, and the show brought the house down, and you know, if you hadn't taken the time to know about the Junos before, and maybe you were one of those people who said, yeah, I watched the Junos last night just because it was in London. I wanted to see, you know, oh, look, there's the gray seats that I've sat in at whatever it was then you got an opportunity to see the show that they put on. This is not just award after award after award. They did a really good job making this an event, making this something that was watchable, which was great. So, again, congratulations. We will talk with John Stobie even tomorrow. You'll hear him during the news with Jacqueline LaBelle and with Matt Trevithick. I promise you that. And he's got some great stories from the Arkells or from Arkells saying, hey, Stobie's pizza, great thing. We are out of time. Up next, we will have news with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matt Trevithick. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 680 Warncliffe Road South. Thanks to Matt McInnes. This is Global News Radio. 980 CFPL.